Let's get right into our message today. We're in this series called The Journey, The Journey, and we're going to deal in part three. Let's go right to our text, and I'm going to break it down. All right, get your notes out. If you're a guest, we give out notes every Sunday so you can take them home with you and follow me. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I've shared with you throughout this series that this passage of scripture in Exodus 6, 6 and 7 is the foundation of what we do at Transformation Church. Everything we do here is based on these four promises. They're the four promises that Jesus gave to the Jewish people at the Seder dinner, at the Passover, and they're given to the church of Jesus today. And if you look through scripture, from this point on, every promise in the Bible, every promise in the Bible is based on one of these four promises, every one of them. And so these four promises are the foundation of the Christian faith. And so we've been taking you on a journey of understanding, and you can't go to promise two until you've experienced promise one. You can't go to three until you've got one and two. You can't get to four. You can't bypass. It's a progressive journey that God wants to take each one of us on. And so let me review just for those that are new. The first promise is God said, I will bring you out. And that promise is salvation, to know God. That God's first promise is that I want to save you. I want to set you apart is what the word means. I want to set you apart. You're over here. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're just lost. Because how many knows we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God? We need a Savior in our life. And it's that moment we realize and recognize that, that I need a Savior. And we call out to God. And he saves us. Promise number one. But Jesus does everything that has to do with our salvation. We have nothing to do with it other than coming to him and calling upon him. He does, the easiest thing you'll ever do in your life is get saved because he does all of it. And then once you've had salvation experience that you've been set apart now as belonging to Jesus, you move into promise number two and the first promise is he said, I'm gonna bring you out, but then he said, I will free you. And that's the promise of freedom, the promise of freedom that God wants to bring in your life, that he said, I'm gonna free you from those yokes and those burdens that are upon you. And, and this is where we said promise number one is God wants to create a new you along the journey. Promise number two is he wants to create a better you. We talked about last Sunday that he wants you to begin to experience that freedom because how many here when you got saved, God instantly took some stuff out of your life? And how many still got some stuff you're working on now that you're saved? Amen, we all do, don't we? Anybody besides me still working some things out? And when I think I'm doing pretty good, my wife reminds me that I'm still working on some things, all right? And uh, the wives have an amazing way of doing that. When you just get on your pedestal, they kind of knock it out from under you, okay? But how many knows that we're still working it out? And you know what? I need to be in a church that I can work it out without judgment. And, and without somebody criticizing me and going, oh, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. Well, what's in your closet this week? 
that you're still working out. And so that we're a church, a body that we're working it out. Work out your salvation, Jesus said, with fear and trembling. And so Jesus said, the first promise is your salvation. The second promise is I want to start freeing you from all that stuff that's been destroying you. And it brings us to the third promise today. And we find that in the scripture where he said, I want to make a new you. I want to make a better you. Today, I want to talk about a complete you that God wants to take that new and better and bring a completion in your life and bring you into this thing that we call discovering purpose. The first one's finding salvation, knowing God. The second promise is finding freedom. And the third promise is discovering your purpose where Jesus said that I will redeem you. In the scripture, we read it where he said, I'm gonna redeem you. And I wanna talk about this word, redemption today. And once you've experienced promise, one, salvation, Two, freedom. Three, discovering purpose. You get to move into promise number four, and that's where he said, I'm gonna connect you with a church family called the body of Christ, and together you're gonna go make a difference and impact people's lives with the hope of Jesus. And so I want us to look at this today because you see, my greatest honor as a pastor is to take people on that journey. I love it, absolutely love it to watch people come in this church and drug addiction, alcohol, abuse, I mean, you name it, and it's in this house between the the five to 600 people that gather here every Sunday. I mean, God has done so many amazing things in this house, and to take somebody that was suicidal, given up on life, homeless, you know, the number one giver in this church came to this church, a homeless alcoholic inmate. I met him in a drug program because he went to the drug program. They let him get out of prison to go to a drug program. And I led him to the Lord on a Tuesday night in a Bible study in a drug program. And God saved him, cleaned him up. He got promise one, moved into promise two, freedom, moved into discovering purpose, and now is is a phenomenal businessman in this town. But he didn't come here wealthy. He came here homeless and broke and an inmate. Today, God's just turned his life around and gave him purpose. And I mean, that's the greatest joy of a pastor, man, is just to watch God just bless people and take them into their divine purpose. And so I wanna help you with that today because most people who are rejecting Christianity are not rejecting Christianity, they're rejecting what they think it is because they've got this warped mindset by even presented by the church, you know, that God's up there with this big four by four and all you gotta do is breathe wrong. He's just waiting for that opportunity to just come down on you. Anybody hear that kind of gospel, you know? And just like, all you gotta do is breathe wrong, man. God's got you. And that's not it, man. God's a heavenly father that wants the best for his children. And so this word redeem, redeem means to buy back or to repurchase. When Jesus said, I will redeem you, he first said, I'm gonna bring you out. Then he said, I'm gonna get the world and that stuff and that hurt and that pain out of you. And now once that's beginning to take place, I wanna redeem you back to my original purpose in your life. It means to change for the better, to reform. It means to repair or to restore. And what God's literally saying is, again, I'm being so repetitious on purpose today, is that God wants to bring salvation, set you apart. Anybody experience that in your life in here right now? And and if you haven't, we're gonna give you an opportunity in a moment. And then once you've accepted Christ, Then he begins to get all that stuff, those offenses and hurts and mistakes and sins and struggles. He begins to clean all that out of your life. 
But then he wants to move you into this third promise that says, I want to redeem you. And what he means there is now that you're letting me clean all this stuff out of you, I want to take you all the way back to your original purpose that I had for you when I formed you in the womb of your mother. I want to bypass and now let you bypass all of this pain and heartache and hurt. We're going to let you bypass that. We're going to start over again. I mean, it's like God's a God that lets you start over. Amen? And, and, and be able to not have to deal with all that stuff that's been haunting you your whole life. And that's what the word redemption means there is God says, I want to take you back and I want to redeem you. And notice he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And what does he mean? He says, I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm. Why, why did he say that? The reason he said that is because we see ourselves far lower than God sees us. We see ourselves broken, downcast, worthless, hopeless. And we see ourselves so much lower that God had to reach down. Notice he said reach down with an outstretched arm that God had to go to the lowest pits for some of us. God had to go down to the lowest place for some of us in our life that we found ourselves at the very lowest point in life that we could be. But Jesus put it like this. If you make your bed in hell, I'll go all the way down there. But I'm going to get you. I'm going to pick you up because I've got purpose. I want to take you back to my original plan for your life. And so I really want to talk to you about this today because the enemy wants to come and keep that from happening in your life. He does not want you to find redemption. Here's a fact. And everybody look at me eyeball to eyeball for one second. 87%. I shared with you last Sunday that 50% of the people that are incarcerated, when they get out of prison return back to prison within three years, 50%. Come back to the place that held them captive. And can I tell you, 87% of the church, people that are in church today, millions of people, 87% of those never get to this promise. They live their entire Christian life in promise number one and two, salvation and trying to stay good enough to have earned it and trying to work to be good enough for Jesus, trying to work to be good enough to feel saved, and they never enter into God's purpose for their life. And so they're going to heaven, but they go miserable. They go empty, they go frustrated. They get to heaven because Jesus took care of that in promise one, but they get there wore out, tired, and miserable because they spent their whole Christian life trying to earn that freedom that you can't earn. You just have to receive it and then move into God's purpose in your life. And so I wanna to talk to you today about this redemption thing because the enemy, if he has one plan of attack, is to keep you over here in promise number two and never allow you to enter into God's divine purpose because you've never started living until you start living out your purpose on this earth. And every one of us in this room have a different purpose. We have passions that God created us with. We have things we love to do. We have gifts that God's placed within us. All of us are different, but God has placed those gifts. I'm a hunter, man. I love to hunt. November cannot get here soon enough, all right? Tree stand's waiting on me already, okay? Bow in hand, all right? That's my passion. I love it. I hang out with other hunters, and we talk, and, and that's my mission field, man, because there's people of like passion with me. I love to shoot guns, so we had about 20 of us out in the clay pit this past week just blasting away at dirt, all right? And, and what is it? But you get around people. Some of you like to shop. God bless you, okay? My wife will love you, all right? 
And, but you find your gift, you find that purpose. What is it that God created inside of me that will connect me with other people of like passion that I can go share the hope of Jesus with through the relationship that he gives me? And we find that purpose that's within us. But here's how the enemy wants to stop you from finding that redemptive work in your life. Number one, he wants you to focus on your imperfections. Your imperfections. Because you see, we don't see ourselves with the greatness that God sees us in. We see our wickedness, we see our weakness, while God sees the righteousness of his son. The Bible said, he that knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. How many's glad today? How many besides me has had some weeks that weren't so Christian? Oh, come on now. Rescue's got a lying issue, okay? I'm talk, your pastor's talking to you now. I didn't hit anybody, but I wanted to a few times, okay? And I didn't say it, but it was right, 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 right there. And, and you gotta come and realize, man, we're still working this thing out. I don't care who we are. And man, we can go back and see those imperfections and go, God, I'm disqualified, and we disqualify ourselves. And we, we, we see all of our imperfections when God's looking down on us go, you got that B, man. That was cool. I mean, it's been that kid, or we have to be careful as parents, don't we? I mean, like they make five A's and one C, and the only thing we want to talk about is a C. Right? And boy, we're, we're gold at that in our own life that we did five good things this week, and we messed up on one, and that's the one we want to dwell on so we can tell God why we're not qualified. And you got to come and realize that God's looking down on you and I like a father in heaven today, and he's going, that's a good job, man. You did good over there. And we're over here going, man, I messed this one up so bad, and God's trying to come over here and hug on you and reward you for what you did good. And we're over here focusing on our imperfections and trying to become perfect when you never will. If you had not realized that yet, I'm 57 and finally coming into the reality of that, that it just ain't going to happen. God didn't ask me to be perfect. He asked me to have a perfect heart toward him. David was not a perfect man. He had much stuff going on in his life and the Bible, but he had a heart that was perfect toward God that when he did mess up, he was coming to God, acknowledging it, and going, help me change me and make me a better man. And God's not asking for your perfection, but he doesn't want you to fall trapped to your imperfection that you allow that to become your focus and you miss your purpose. Look at Psalms 18, 35. One of my favorite scriptures talking about this. You talking to God, you stoop down. Why? To make me great. Come on, how many glad God stooped down to get you? I mean, come on, there wasn't many of us up there where he found us on top of the mountain. You know what I'm talking about? And he stooped down. Some of us, he had to dig a ditch to find us, all right? I mean, he stooped down. Why did he stoop down? so that he could make us great. Everybody look at me, I'm gonna ask you to do this several times today. You will never find the greatness that God has already declared in you when you're looking at your imperfections. You can't look at your imperfections, you've gotta look at his perfect work in you. And when you acknowledge that perfect work that no, I'm not what I wanna be, but man, I don't have to look far to find where I've come. God's doing a great work in my life. And I'm striving toward that mark. I'm pressing forward. I, I hadn't got there yet, but man, I can tell the difference of the person that I am. And start seeing the work of God in your life. You'll never enter your future while you're living in your past. 
And Satan comes to condemn when God comes to convict. And they're so close to, to being a light that if you don't understand the difference, you'll miss it. But how many's ever messed up, man, and just that guilt, that condemnation, just like, bam. And I mean, like, ain't no need to keep trying this Christian life. I done messed it up 499 times. Why even bother? That condemnation, well, if you was a Christian, you wouldn't have thought. If you was a Christian, the enemy comes to condemn us. Jesus comes to convict us. And the enemy comes to condemn me to keep me out of my purpose in Christ and Jesus comes to convict me to keep me in my purpose in Christ. Are you with me? And, and so you've got to separate the two and understand, yeah, when I do wrong, I'm going to feel bad about it. But if I'm beating myself up over and over and over, that's the enemy bringing condemnation. But if I immediately realize you're right, man, I, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have thought that, I'm sorry. Move on. Stay in the purpose that God has called you to walk through. I love Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, powerful scripture. For we are God's masterpiece. Come on, look at your neighbor and go, I'm a masterpiece, man. You've been wanting to say that all week, okay? I'm a masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Now this takes us back to what I said earlier on redemption that redemption is God taking us back to his original purpose and plan in our life. And how many can remember before you made some decisions and choices in life that your picture looked pretty good until you messed it up? Amen. Bad decisions, bad choices. Come on, I'm guilty. And that picture went south quick. How many realizes that if you were judged by that picture, things wouldn't be too good right now? But here's what I love about this scripture. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. You know what he does in your redemption? He gets out a new canvas and he paints a new picture. And it's the original picture of what you were supposed to be from the beginning that the enemy come in and messed up. But God doesn't paint a new picture. Remember how someone will tell you, everybody look at me one more time. The picture that God's painting on the new canvas is exactly the picture that he was painting the first time. Because God doesn't have plan B's and plan C's. He's got one plan for your life, and he wants you to reach it. Though I may take alternate paths and mess it up, he says, we'll get a new canvas out. We're going to start the painting over because I've got a masterpiece I want to make out of you. Come on, that just deserves Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so... We've got a first thing to understand that what he wants to do is come in with our imperfections, but the second way the enemy wants to destroy us from reaching our purpose and, and finding true redemption in our life is this thing called deviation. Deviation. And I want to explain that. Because deviation is when you get on a journey that God never asked you to walk. You get on a path that God never planned on you being on. Diversion takes place when things happen in our life, oftentimes it can be something good that's a, a, a reward and we, we let it take us down a road. I've seen people, I, I'm a financial planner by license for years. I pastor full-time now, but I did that for years. And I watched people, man, they, they were solid as a rock until all of a sudden they inherited half a million dollars and boy, it took them on a road that was destructive because they didn't know how to handle money like that. It's always something bad. It can be something good, but it takes you off course. But most oftentimes, diversion, 
Deviation takes place by a crisis hitting our life. Something bad coming into our journey. And we gotta realize this unexpected tragedy or crisis, it takes your attention off of God or even makes you question his sovereignty in your life, his purpose in your life. I don't understand this, God. I don't get it. And all of a sudden, we take matters into our own hands and we get diverted off course we find ourselves going down journeys and roads that God did not ask us to walk on. And all of a sudden, success, all of a sudden, hurt, all of a sudden, pain, it diverts us from our redemptive plan, successful, broken. Either way, you find yourself empty and unhappy because you've been diverted from God's original plan in your life. Watch this scripture in 1 Thessalonians. I'll explain this. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, I tried again and again, but Satan prevented me. The word prevented there comes from the Greek word, which means to impede one's progress by putting something in the way. And I want to tell you today, as you move from the, the, the place of finding freedom in your life and you begin to move into this thing of discovering God's purpose in your life, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, the enemy's going to try to put things in your path. He's going to try to divert you from God's ultimate purpose, and he's going to try to come and, and cause something in your, half, in your life, a crisis, a pain, an offense, a hurt, a failure, whatever it might be, it has one purpose, and that's to divert you away from God's ultimate purpose in your life. This is what I love to do. I'm not the best at it. Obviously, you know that by now but I love practicing on you every Sunday, all right? But I love doing this. I love sharing the, the life and the hope in Christ, and I love doing it one-on-one -on -one more than anything, man. I love the challenge of one-on-one -on -one out there with people in society, but I love doing this. But the enemy tries to divert all the time, pastoring. I love pastoring. But many of you know, my brother right now, he's 30 minutes from here in a nursing home. He could pass away while I'm preaching. He, he's that bad. He's from minute to minute. He's one year older than me. He looks 90 years old with a brain disease, same disease that took my dad three years ago. And he's laying there under 80 pounds right now and under morphine, just trying to deal with pain and could leave us in a moment. And I've prayed my gut out. I have a son, Tommy, back here that was in an automobile accident uh, five years ago on life support for two and a half months, given zero chance to live, sheared his brain in half, crushed his face, ripped arteries out of his heart, and we prayed and God healed my son, and he's with us today here a testimony of the miracle power of God. But I want to tell you, I've prayed the same prayer with the same faith to the same God, and I hadn't seen it work for my brother. That'll put a lot of questions in your mind to, to divert you. I have a three-year-old grandson that's been diagnosed terminal. And over the past two weeks, he's gone back into severe seizures and, and things that just you hold him and you go, why and how come? And I can't fix this. And, and man, the enemy will divert you into going, I don't get this, God. And you'll get even angry at God. Are you with me today? And what is that? That's a diversion. The enemy wants to divert me from his purpose. And, and I was visiting my brother the other day, and, and I left him. And I mean, his bone sockets are literally coming out of his body. The flesh is tearing. And, and I mean, I just left him, and I was just like, God, I don't get this, you know? And, and I get in my vehicle, and I ride to Walmart, which I hate, 
but my wife sent me. And I go to Walmart, and, and I go in there, and this teenage boy runs up to me by the fruit section. He runs up, and he goes, Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan, oh, I can't believe I, I met you personally. And then he does this whole spiel, you know? And he's like, and, and I see this couple adults coming behind him, and he goes, Pastor Dan, this is my mom and my dad. He said, on Easter Sunday, I heard you preach, and I gave my life to Jesus, Pastor Dan. I got saved on Easter Sunday at your church, and he hugged me, and he introduced me to his mom and dad, and they go, we have seen such a change in our son. It's unbelievable what's happened in his life, and we're coming to your church Sunday, and they were both with him last service. And, and when I left him, I go down about two aisles further, and another teenager's running up at me, yelling. I mean, in Walmart, yelling, Pastor Dan. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? You know, where, where am I? I hate Walmart, but this is cool. And he's yelling, Pastor Dan, and he comes up to me, and he hugs me, and I'm like, I don't know you. And, and he's hugging me, and he goes, Pastor Dan. He said, I saw you, and I thought, that's the man. That, that was the man that was preaching Sunday. And he said, that was my first time in your church. A friend invited me. And he said, I don't have a minute. My family, they're waiting for me out front. But I saw you, and I thought, that was the guy preaching. He said, I just want to tell you, I gave my life to Jesus in your church Sunday. And he sent me this Facebook message like this long, sharing his testimony of what God did in his life. And you know what God set up that day? He blocked that diversion that the enemy was trying to set up in my mind of, of questioning God and being diverted and he kept me on path of no this is what you're born to do this is this is your purpose on this earth don't don't get sidetracked don't don't get diverted over here stay focused in the midst of your heartache in the midst of your pain in the midst of your crisis the enemy wants to come and divert you and get you away from God's ultimate purpose and plan in your life and I'm here today to tell you stay focused man stay focused on your purpose don't quit doing what God put you on this earth to do. Feed the hungry. Take care of the poor. Share food with your neighbor. Be a friend to your coworker. Do what you can do to impact people's lives in simple acts of kindness. Don't stop doing what God's put us on this earth to do. Amen. Don't get diverted. Stay focused. I don't know if my brother's going to heaven. or I, mean, I know he's going to heaven. I just don't know when. We made sure of that when he could communicate. What I want to tell you today is the pain hasn't stopped, but the focus remains the same. You gotta learn to stay focused, and I'm learning something I'm learning right now at a greater measure because the enemy wants to divert you. Let me hurry and give you these last few points and let you go home. You see, the fact is, God has never changed his mind about you, and that you've gotta to get today. God has never changed his mind about you. No matter what's happened in your life, God has never changed his mind about you. Look in Ephesians chapter one, read it with me. It says, blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now watch this. Blessed be the God of... Go, go back real quick. I'm sorry, I messed you guys up. Can you take it back? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, Savior Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now watch this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Remember, I've repeated that a thousand times. He wants to take you back to his original purpose and plan in your life before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame. If there's any blame going on in your world today, it's coming from you, not God. Without blame before him in love, 
having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself. Watch this. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have, what are we talking about today? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now here's what I want to share before we let you go. I'm going to give you three quick points is when you understand this and you understand how God's wanting to bring you back to your redemptive purpose, he wants to paint a brand new masterpiece with you. He wants to show you off and his work in you to the world. And he says here that we are now adopted. And some of you have heard me share this, but he talked about adopting us. We've been predestined to adoption. Remember that in the scripture? And, and my wife and I, we have two biological children. They all go here, Natalie and Brad. Brad's assistant pastor is on the keyboard. And, and so we've got two biological children and we've got two Vietnamese children, uh, Cindy and Tommy. Tommy's back here. Cindy was at the second service and they came into our family 16 years ago, had a tragedy in their family and, and the mother and little brother and little sister were murdered and, and they were being passed around from relative. They came to our home, was supposed to stay for 30 days and 16 years later, they're still here, all right? And they have cost me a lot of money. I'm just telling you, okay? Asian kids eat. That's just all I want to say, all right? And uh, but we love them, man. But here's what we're doing right now. And some of you have heard this, but we're in the process because our children, Natalie and Brad, came to us and said, Dad, we, they're our brothers and sisters, and we treat them that way. People say, how many kids you got? Four. How many grandkids? Four, okay? And we don't try to tell the story to everybody. And... Uh, so our kids came to us because we have a will established when we die, and they said we want it equal, and so we are right now in the process of trying to legally adopt Cindy and Tommy, even though they're adults, so that when we die, that our, our will will go to all four of our children equally. And here's what we found out. In the state of Florida, if you adopt a child, they have more rights than your biological children. Anybody know that? I didn't know until I got into this. My biological children, Natalie and Brad, I can take out of my will. Okay? Your adopted children, once they're in your will, you can't remove them. That means if I call Brad and say, my grass needs mowed, you better show up. You know what I'm saying? I will jerk out. I got the pen. Now, Tommy, he don't have to come. He's locked in. But can I just say this to you so we can move on? We're adopted. We weren't born as, we were born in sin. We were born away from God. We had no right to be here today, but he said he predestined us for adoption. He saw that masterpiece in you. He predestined you for adoption. You know what that means? Satan can't take you out of his will. You know what that means? Your mistake today can't take you out of his will. You're in. Come on, we just say thank you, Jesus, for that? Because I don't know about you, man, but having to live every day, am I in, am I out, am I in, am I out? That's like, that will drive you crazy. Now you're in. You're in the will. Here's what we got to understand. I'm going to give you these points. Number one, all mankind's born into sin. I don't have to dwell on that. I don't think we all have sinned and come short 
of the glory of God. All of us were born sinners. All of us need a savior today. None of us are righteous in our own. No, not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. We've got to come and realize today we've all sinned and we need a savior. Amen? Everybody with me on that one? Number two is Jesus Christ set us free from the penalty of sin. And here's what I want you to really see on this because promise number one is salvation where God sets us apart. He does all of that. But when we start moving into promise number two, finding freedom, and enter into discovering our purpose, promise number three, we get to experience this one right here where we understand that not only did Jesus free me from sin, he freed me from the penalty of my sin. I don't have to keep paying for the mistakes that I made. I don't have to keep living in this nightmare. I don't have to keep living in this guilt. I don't have to keep living in this shame. I don't have to keep living in my failure, my bad mistakes, my hurt, my offenses, whatever has taken place in my life. I don't have to keep living there because not only did he free me from my sin, he freed me from the penalty of my sin. How many of you have ever been late with a mortgage or car payment? Okay, come on, let's all be honest somewhere in that journey. Okay. How many's ever had a bank call you and go, you know what? We know it's a bad month. And, and you know what? Not only are we not going to charge you the, the penalty, we're going to cover your month's rent for you. I have never had that phone call. I have never had that phone call. That's what Jesus just said he's doing. Not only did I erase the debt, I took away your penalty. Come on, man. That's an amazing Jesus right there. Because I don't know about you, even though I'm saved today, if I still have to pay for some stuff back there, life ain't that good. But not only did he save me, but he frees us from the penalty of our sin. And that leads us to our last point. Redemption, it is the sign of true freedom. When you begin to walk it out, when you begin to understand, and I begin to understand the redemptive work that Jesus did on Calvary, that not only has he saved me, not only am I walking in freedom, but I get to start living out my divine purpose in God. And this is where you start living life. This is where you start getting understanding of making a difference. And that's what we'll talk about next Sunday is that's the fourth promise. Because now, once you discover your purpose, you get to go make a difference in other people's lives. You get to impact other people. And that's where God wants to take every one of us. And we're not all going to be up here doing this. Most of you don't want to. And if I wasn't called, I wouldn't want to either. All right, I took straight zeros all the way through high school when it comes time to give an oral report in class. I mean, I learned how to write three sentences at one time. I will give report in class, lie on every one of them. You know what I'm saying? I told my, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it. I told my father, you can whip me till I bleed, but I just can't do it. I was terrified. Get in front of people and talk, and here I am today. You're sitting out there going, when are you gonna quit? Because God, no, I have to. That's my cousin. Don't listen to her, okay? All right. But here, here's the thing. God wants to take, last time I'm going to ask you, look at me for one second. Here's what God does. He takes our weaknesses. He takes our failures. He takes the deepest struggles in our life, and he comes and sets us free from them. He brings freedom from the pain in them, and he gives purpose in them. And you know what God does? And you'll find this in your life, and I'm finding it in mine right now, is that God takes the most painful, disappointing destructive times in our life and he uses them to put a picture frame around and he highlights his unique work in us to let the world see 
and he most often uses the deepest, most hurtful, painful times of our life to tell our story. How many's found that out? I minister to four to six pastors a week that call us from all over the nation that are hurting, they're broken, they're quitting. They're out doing crazy things, some of them. But I get to do that. I didn't ask for that. They contact me because one of the areas of ministry I get to minister out of is one of the deepest, most painful, hurtful experiences of my life that almost destroyed me. But Jesus said, I'll take the foolish of the world and I'll confound the wise. And what God wants to do is take the very thing that the enemy's using to disqualify you is what God will take to use to qualify you. Because isn't life's story told out of our struggles rather than our victories? And God wants to come because you know what? There's a whole lot of other people out there struggling just like you did, or maybe you are now. And they don't want to talk to somebody that they think that never know what a struggle was. They want to talk to somebody that was in one and got out. They want to hear your story and know why. And I want to challenge you today as a pastor who stands up here an imperfect man that deals with life every day just like you do. There's Mondays that come and say, I don't ever want to preach again. That was the most horrible preaching in the world. And yet y'all keep coming back. It's got to be love. <laughs> but what I'm saying is don't keep disqualifying yourself. Let God take you and let him paint a picture masterpiece and let him go change the lives of other peoples with it in Jesus name you bow your heads with me and I'm going to ask you a question why no one's looking around how many in here right now are Christians talking to Christians you say Pastor Dan I'm here today and I'm a Christian but man I've been locked into this promise number two over here and I've been working so hard to be good enough and I've disqualified myself and and I'm, I'm listening to you today but I'm ready to move into God's divine purpose for my life. I'm ready to get into promise number three. I haven't been there, but I'm ready to go there. I'm not gonna be part of that 87%. I'm ready to go forward. I wanna, I wanna walk out God's purpose. If that's you, would you lift a hand? See, that's me today. I just wanna pray for you. Father, I just pray over these that have lifted their hand right now. And I pray, God, you help us today as Christians, Father, to to find you and find your purpose and walk out our freedom. God, live it to the fullest, God, and not just for us, but we find purpose, God. We find reason so that we can now go and impact the lives of others. And maybe you're here right now and you'll join. We've had maybe 14, somewhere around 13, 15 people that have given their heart to Jesus today. And if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm at one, man. I'm at promise number one. I'm not a bad person, but spiritually, I'm not in a good place. And I'm here today because I'm searching for something that's real. And I realize today that, that what I'm looking for is Jesus, is Him. And He's not asking me to just do everything myself. He wants to do something for me, and then we're going to work together on some things. And today, I realize it's not that hard, it's not that difficult. And I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready for a brand new beginning. I'm ready for a brand new start. I'm ready for a new canvas. I'm ready for a new story. Pray for me. I'm not going to point you out. I will not point you out or come to you. I just want to pray a prayer. If that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up and you can put it right back down if that's you. I want to pray for you today. God bless you. God bless you. 
Anyone else who join these and say, that's me today. Just pray a prayer for me, Pastor. I'm ready for a change in my life. Pray for me. If you raise your hand or you did not, or maybe you're on live streaming, you need Jesus in your life today. Pray this prayer with us. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, you join me and let's congratulate these that have prayed today. God bless you so much.